0: Alright, welcome guys to the noise podcast. Today we have Zeiss with us. He is coming all the way from Germany. Is that right? Yep. Alright, and we have Louis as the co-host today. And uh we're gonna be talking some future sci-fi interface
1: stuff today. Yeah, I am excited. <laughs> so am I. First, firstly, Zeiss, mm-hmm. you had pizza for breakfast today. I did. Yeah. Run, run us through this, uh, <laughs> this notion.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was fairly simple. It's uh, cooked ham, some garlic, uh, tomatoes, and olives.
1: Nice. Yeah.
2: Hot, hot, cold. Uh, cold, cold pizza oh, from yesterday. animals. Is, uh, <laughs> animals. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really love oh. cold pizza.
0: Yeah, me too. It's
1: good stuff. <laughs> okay, let's dive in. Mm-hmm. Cool, yeah, cool.
0: All right. So, uh, just as a little bit of an intro, this is a little different from some of the other stuff that we we're doing. So, normally we were kind of talking to product designers, we were talking to like physical apps. Um, well, not physical apps, but uh, apps on your phones. Uh, and now we're going to be talking about a little bit more nebulous kind of sci fi user interface. So, Uh, In case anybody doesn't know, um, FUI either stands for, and I think that this is kind of debated still, I think it's either future user interface or fantasy user interface. Is that
1: right, Zeiss?
2: Well, that's actually a funny story. Um, so the term was coined by Mark Coleran, who is sort of one of the OGs in the industry. He did Mr. and Mrs. Smith and the Island. And uh, he's sort of the one that did uh, a lot of groundwork for what is now known as really sexy UI and not that weirdness and zoom in, in hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. He, says, he says that it's fantasy user interface because it comes from your fantasy. However... The F is really interchangeable. So it can be fake, futuristic, uh, faux, fantastical, whatever
1: you want. I would, uh, as, a, as a person who does that um, in the industry, probably future. Does future always exist? Or are you sort of reflective in what future well, that- is, what at some point?
2: Yes and no. The thing is, uh, FUI is not just futuristic interfaces. It's not just Iron Man floating HUD stuff. It is also very simple stuff like, uh, think of a TV show and there's a scene in a police station. And on a PC, there's a police report. And it just looks like Windows, but it's not Windows. That's an FUI as well.
1: Oh, so all the dummy dummy websites you see in yep. programs and all the really uh, curious design choices that people make. Exactly, yeah. Basically to make anything- it look a bit fake.
2: Yeah, anything that happens on a uh, monitor in a TV show or a movie—if you see what's happening on a monitor—it's an FUI.
1: Were you interested in that as a, as a kid? Sort of,
2: yeah. Um, it, it came to be. Oh God, how I, I think it was one of the first times I really noticed it was when I was teaching myself Photoshop. And uh, I was watching Battlestar Galactica, and there was the DRADIS. Yes. I don't know if you remember this, right? On the In the big battle bridge, there's the the radar that says when Interceptor's coming in. That's called the DRADIS. And it uh, turns out that uh, Scott Higgs and uh, Corey Brummel, a.k.a. Deca Digital, uh, did that. They did all of Battlestar Galactica. And I, that's the first time I was like, damn, I I think I can do that. I I got (laughs) to sit down and and see if I can do that because I was teaching myself Photoshop. So I sat down and tried to recreate it and figured out it's much harder than it seems.
1: It looks really hard. Yeah.
2: So I was around 15 at the time. And, uh, then I, uh, I searched the internet far and wide for more info on those screens. I didn't know what they were called and I didn't know what to search for. And at the time, there wasn't really anything out there. And then a few years later, uh, I was a big into Reddit, big Reddit user. So I figured, you know what? I know how to use Reddit. I might as well do a subreddit and created r FUI. So I can have a, a place where I can collect all the info and everything to do with FUIs because there was nothing else out there otherwise. Yeah, it was actually really funny. I found uh, the FUI forum
0: and I was got so excited because there's so little info, info like anywhere mm-hmm. on the internet on FUI, that it's like super hard to find tutorials. It's hard to find, you know, how people make stuff. You basically have to like figure it out yourself. There's not really many people that are teaching you how yeah. to do, you know, FUI in Houdini or FUI in Illustrator and After Effects. It's like, and that's the cool part about it too, right? Like you have uh, studios like Territory that are like, really really pushing it and they're doing like mm. incredible stuff like the stuff that they did on guardians of the galaxy like that's like that's to fantastic. me it was like i know it like visual poetry the way like the particles kind of like move and it and it looks like it's uh i think a lot of times generative stuff can look a little like you can tell it's generative but the way mm-hmm, that they yeah. do some of their stuff with, like, X, part- I don't know if they use X particles for for some of the scenes, but there's some, like, super flowy lines that they have that just, like, yeah. man, it's, I, like, I, I love design that I look at it and I go, how did they do that? That's yeah. crazy because I understand the programs well enough to know, like, the gist, but then I'm, like, my brain tries to wrap around how exactly they did certain things, and I'm, like, that's where I get really impressed. That's where I'm, mm-hmm. like... Dude, that, that's some cool stuff. Like, Jace has a bunch of that stuff. You have a bunch of that stuff, too. And you look at it, and it's just, like, you're, you're trying to figure out, like, how it's all, like... You know, even the, the tiny little, like, intricacies of the animation, right? Like, a flicker mm-hmm. in. You have to look at, like, every... Like, I've gone in and I've looked at frame-by-frame frame animations to see, like, what's actually happening there, too. Especially Jace. I don't know if you look at Jace's stuff and try to break yeah. it down. That stuff is, like, like, the animation side of it. I don't know if he animates it, too, but the animation side is like it's it's so subtle it'll be like two flickers and then like a fade on right but it Mm -hmm. happens so fast like your brain almost doesn't see it It it's like tiny little details
2: i I call that texturing um Mm. it's just that's that's precisely for supergirl in the flash i i had we did a lot of on flickering and off flickering Mm -hmm. just because that's a fast easy way to bring something on screen and you have only half a minute time to show something so um uh, even even there where i could basically just do five keyframes of different percentages of transparency on and off even there i did different types of flickers for both shows and saved those as presets just because they have so they have consistency but also so they feel different
1: you both you both mentioned just just before then that you struggled to find information about this when you were mm-hmm. getting started do you think that for both of you actually that it made you want to do it more and do you think that sort of filters out people who are Half-hearted in the industry.
2: Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, maybe. It it certainly I'm I, I love research. I really like digging into stuff and learning stuff, which is part of the reason why I love the FUR industry so much and working in it, because research is a big part of it. You often have to do screens for stuff that you don't know. But anyways, I, I digress. Um <laughs> the uh the not finding much uh, was both frustrating, but it also made me want to know it more and dig more into it. And if it was easier to find, I never would have started the subreddit or my own podcast, which would have led to me being hired in the industry at all. Um, so yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely is a barrier
1: you have to overcome. And you were as well, because you do a lot of work on this sort of thing as well. Do you find that a struggle? Do you find it uh, sort of drives your passion for uh, faster?
0: Yeah, I, for me, I think it was a combination because I do love anything that's like a challenge. That's I think why I like UX so much is like I have to think about the psychology end of things too. I have to think about, you know, what's the primary call to action? And, and this helps with design too a lot of times, right? Like having a visual hierarchy mm-hmm. also works in having like a psychological interaction kind of hierarchy too. Um, but I think I worked backwards. I was 50-50. I was like, I thought that it was hard. And so that was like really interesting to me. But I think where I initially started was like, how both like a lot of people kind of start in design they look at something and they're like that's super cool right like Battlestar Galactica that was super badass that yeah. inspires me I want to make that right and like as artists we a lot of times will like study the masters or we'll study the people that are like the best in the industry right and you kind of like just copy them for a little while and then eventually yeah. you know you come up with your own style you come up with your own kind of like cadence for your visuals and stuff too and eventually kind of grow into your own
1: that's kind of the old school way of learning anything there really, isn't it? You, you mm-hmm. find some heroes of your own and you admire them and then you try to imitate them and then you develop your own style.
0: Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, Da Vinci did it, Picasso did it. Not, not that I'm comparing myself to those guys, but... <laughs> but hey, I mean, you can if you, like, can if you want. <laughs> but it's, I mean, like, yeah, everybody does it, right? Like most big artists, like even the people at the very top, I think even those guys do that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's funny because I went through a really weird phase of like taking people apart. And like figuring out how they work, and all of my favorite artists they all had studied somebody else at some point or are continuously studying other people and trying to break them apart and try to figure out how they work
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh i I had a few inspirations for me that that led to that, which is uh they all still work in the industry, uh which is funny, and they've oh, nice. been at it for like fifteen or twenty years now, um which not a lot of people survive that long in it.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah. it's surprising because I honestly would think that something like FUI would have turned into something else already by now too because it's such mm-hmm. a fast-moving industry that like, I mean, the, the look of it has changed a lot. Like, don't get me wrong, it's definitely changed in that sense, but I honestly didn't think, I didn't think that it started as far back as it did and I didn't mm-hmm. think that it would last as as long as it did because design like just goes in so many trends. That's yeah. actually a, a really good next question. Where, where do you think that, um that is like fui in general is going to go in like the next few years do you think it's going to go you know like vr do you think people are going to start painting in vr do you think that like how do you think that this is going to like evolve what's the next step
2: i think it's always going to be there simply because the movie industry doesn't like to pay licenses <laughs> so yeah. they- big part of it is that you that's why you fake windows or fake mac just because you don't want to pay that license and uh, mm-hmm. also uh, you want to be able to pull up stuff exactly how the director wishes it and uh, so for that as long as there's movies being made where you see screens i think there will be fuis um but Uh, yeah, I I don't know how big it's gonna be. I I don't know if it's gonna blow up more, if it's gonna stagnate or fall down now. I I really can't tell with the Marvel movies, there's always tons and tons of screens. They have between, I don't know, 200 to 400 uh, shots of just monitors that need to be filled. Uh, So I'm not sure, I really can't tell. It's it's kind of odd at the moment, just because um, Marvel and DC drive a lot of that content. Sure, sure. Uh, a lot of that work is is driven by those guys. Um, it might be
1: so. it might be driven a lot by how independent studios progress over the next few years.
2: Yeah, especially sure. thinking
1: about how Amazon and Netflix are producing their own content, and then you've obviously got a lot of successful people with their own YouTube channels, and whether the people put the effort in on mm-hmm. all these different, varying studios and practices and platforms to to make it look slick and to make it look really excellent.
2: Definitely, sure. it's actually interesting. Uh, Netflix doesn't produce a lot of stuff where every eye is needed. Um like a lot of the stuff there's um apart from Black Mirror. <laughs> Black Mirror is one, yeah. So um, good. Yes, it is. Uh there is what was the other one that's uh, sort of cyber cyberpunky futuristic. Uh they're shooting season two right now. Um I forgot what it was called. But anyways, there's there's that one and there is uh another show I forgot about. Um Lost in Space, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Lost in Space right. is also fantastic. Yeah. My buddy uh, Seth did that, Seth Molson. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. And, I'm
0: not familiar with that name, Seth Molson. I'll have to write that down.
2: Uh, he's he's the, the big reason why, one of the big reasons I am in this industry at all, and he does a lot of stuff. He He's worked on a ton of shows, and he's not very well-known, sadly, but uh, he's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it always makes me sad when I find out about these like incredible artists and they have like no online presence. I'm like you need to put your stuff online like you have so many incredible yeah. things. Like I got one bud sure. that's like that. He has some of like the most amazing work I've ever seen. In fact, he just recently started his own studio, and still he has like no work up. I'm like, dude, how do you even get work? Like, You have to be such a badass to like get work and not have a portfolio. Like, People are that into your work. That that always amazes yeah. me. But that actually does lead into uh, another question. You kind of uh, mentioned that you got into the industry through your friend. Was it Seth Molson, you said? Yeah, yeah. How how did that all come together? Like, because it's such an esoteric thing, it's hard to find these jobs. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious how you got into it. I, I
2: my my journey is kind of similar and not similar at all to most other people in this industry, uh, at least most other like individual designers. Uh, from my experience, from talking to them, um, I started out as uh, doing a, an apprenticeship as a web designer, and uh, I broke that off at some point just because things went sideways. But uh, I That's how I got my start. I got my start in in web design. And it seems most FUI designers did that as well. They started as web designers or as uh, people working in print. And uh, it it seems to translate from there fairly well because almost everyone has, has started that way. But uh, for me, it, it started after that. That was just my teaching point, right? My start-off point. Really getting into this industry was because of the subreddit, because I posted that subreddit, and Seth was one of the first people that dropped by and saw it and, and posted a comment and said, hey, I did that one. I was like, really? You did? <laughs> All right, let me, let me ask you these Liar. one thousand questions. <laughs> uh, he, he obliged and, and answered a ton of them and brought another friend of his... Um, into into the conversation and uh then started posting his own work and from there more designers came and answered questions and it was really really cool and i figured all right what can i do to pick his brain but not seem super creepy um (laughs) so (laughs) I did my own podcast thing as just so I could talk to them and, and pick their brains and find out more. And yeah. with that, I sort of made a little bit of a name for myself just because the industry is so niche that almost everybody knows everybody. Sure. Um, and when, when someone comes along and does that stuff that has never been done before, then, you know, people get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, uh, yeah, Seth encouraged me, uh, I actually flew out for Blendfest, the very first one in Vancouver. And uh, I, he let me crash on his couch. So uh, that was super kind of him. And uh, he introduced me to some more people, including Corey Bromel and Scott Higgs, like the two oh, big people uh, yeah. that are responsible for me being interested at all. And... Uh, I then encouraged me to write an application to some companies there and uh, see if they'd like to hire me. And I did. And uh, I was hired by a company and worked on all those DC Universe shows. And so that's kind of how I got my start.
1: Excellent. It sounds like a really tight-knit community. Generally. It is. Um, I know that some of my product designers in digital, not physical. And yeah. um, there's just so many people doing it mm-hmm, that it's very sure. difficult to know where to start with your networking. Yeah. Whereas it sounds like for you, you almost know where to go to look to find these yeah. people.
2: It, the the funny thing is that technically speaking, we're all sort of kind of pitted against each other, right? Because we all bid on the same jobs there's only so many of them uh, but every single person in this industry is incredibly kind and very open and super happy to share thoughts and ideas and techniques and tips and tricks and like help you get started you just have to ask like seriously you can just shoot an email and most of the time when they're not super busy they'll reply and and like answer your questions
0: it is very surprisingly true. Considering I know a lot of people in Hollywood being in LA, that is not the case <laughs> with most yeah. people in Hollywood. There's a lot of people this and it's changing. I think the internet is changing how people kind of work instead of like hoarding their stuff. Like a lot of people are sharing it and you have no choice. Like one one person shares it, you kind of look like a jerk if you're not sharing your stuff. Yeah. which I think is amazing and I love okay. that. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of interesting, weird little thing that's happened in the internet. And it's like the FUI community is really small and it's super tight mm-hmm. knit and, I, and I love it. Yeah, it's super cool. I remember the first time I'd like joined in one of those chats where it was like everybody was in it. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God, everybody's in here. Everybody's don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. And then everybody just ended up being so chill and like so nice. And like everybody helps you with everything. It's, it's cool. It's kind of like the gaming industry is, is almost the same thing. Everybody, like yeah. it feels like a brotherhood, right? Because like when one studio gets hit with like layoffs, literally all the other studios are like swarming in. They're like, hey, how can we help you? You know, your coworkers are helping you try to find jobs like people you worked with in the past is trying to help you find a job. I've never had that experience in like the startup world. Startup world is like very like cutthroat and it's like Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to climb to like the top. Not that it's like necessarily a bad world to be in, but it's like a little it's a lot more competitive in the sense that like people aren't like holding each other's. Hands as much. That's a
1: weird analogy. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> I think there's a uh, there's a loyalty issue with startup world and designers and tech in general. And you see people, especially in Silicon Valley, j- changing jobs every six months. Mm-hmm. Whereas perhaps for your for your specific industry, people to be more loyal to their company and to their own practice.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, TV TV projects and movies generally have a a, a six month time as well. Uh, where it, it takes like that's about the production time of any sort of media uh, so it's similar but again it's it's such a tight little community that that it doesn't really feel like you're switching jobs you're just sort of working on a different thing with a different set of people and then the next time with the other sort of people
0: mm-hmm. so i got a quick question for you um since mm-hmm. this is like such a niche industry how how do you how relevant do you think an education is to be able to do what you do like do you have to go to college do you have to I do a lot of YouTube tutorials like what what would you consider like an education in FUI? Like how would somebody even start to get into something like
2: that? FUI is basically web design combined with motion graphics. That is that is the two major categories that it consists of. You have to be able to do layout and have a good understanding of layout. Um and basically all the techniques that go into web design, but you also have to understand motion and uh, how to use after effects. Uh, So really both combined equals FUI. So if you want to do an education in that way, you'll definitely have an easier start. However, it is really not necessary at all. Um, You can learn these things by yourself. There's a ton of tutorials for both out there for both cheap and for you know good courses uh, school of motion for example is a, is a great resource and uh yeah you don't have to you can but you don't have to
0: yeah that was one of my biggest uh i think weak points in fui was motion which i didn't realize was like a core part of what people do until i started looking at like the intricacies of like the animation and there's like so much to learn only in like the subtlety of how things move like do you ease this frame in is it like a hard you know and fast like zoom in and why are you doing those and like what's the reason for that right like depending on what kind of ship you're flying might dictate the kind of motion or animation that that mm-hmm. you do in the ui itself
2: too Yeah, so you can tell a lot with animation just about the the feeling of the the entire piece mm-hmm. like is it is it a warning is everything flashing or uh is is there some sort of i don't know slow progress that doesn't really move forward because you're, I don't know, analyzing some data, facial animation, print, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Technical babble. Cool, cool, great.
0: So we are going to be wrapping up the first section of this podcast. I think it's packed full of a lot of great stuff. And we are going to be moving on to section two, where we're going to be talking about uh, some of your personal brand stuff. So I Mm -hmm. think that you personally have an interesting brand because I immediately... (laughs) remember like your icon and it's funny other people i like kind of forget even if it's like a face you know they're they're not as memorable um but i think you do a really good good job with um branding yourself too so is this something that you think a lot about or is this just something that accidentally happened how did that like come about oh and just in Um, case people don't know you have like a stormtrooper like a cheapy yeah. stormtrooper or something as
2: your like icon is that right yeah it is yeah it, that, that actually oh man i came from a completely different side of of myself um so i'm i'm a big gamer and i've always been i've worked in the gaming industry on like the journalist sort of side for a long long time sure. um and now i'm a i'm a partnered streamer and uh i'm part of this gaming clan called zf uh if anyone wants to look that up there's soviet Wumble. Uh, He does YouTube videos. He's pretty big in the UK. And uh, he, uh, yeah, well, I'm part of of his clan, of, of the clan he, let me phrase that again. I'm part of the clan that he's in and so uh there's a lot of fan art being made of uh, the videos that we put out and one of those was bb dingo who decided to make one for me so she asked me what's my online persona what does that look like and i you know i'm a big star wars fan i have star wars tattoos on my hands and um, (laughs) and, uh, i I have a first order stormtrooper helmet here and i was like something with that helmet and she was like all right like with a body suit of armor and i said nah it has to be a style trooper like not a storm trooper it's a style trooper Uh, so white suit tie helmet and uh, she just created that as sort of a piece of fan art and i I loved it it, and i just use it as my online thingy now
0: (laughs) it's super memorable i I think it's great i love it
2: yeah so you
0: have a pretty good luck yeah yeah uh, so Louie, you're actually, I know this is something that you've been pushing even on me um, is, as far as like personal brand too, which, you know, you're like, you got to use your face, you got to use like all these different things. You have to put yourself out on Twitter, which I like really wasn't really doing much of. I was like doing a little bit of Instagram and stuff too, but, but it, it's, I'm kind of curious about what you think about like personal brand. Like how important is that to you and to like your image? Cause you have a few different versions. You have like your Pixel magazine, you have. Your personal yeah. brand. What are your
1: thoughts? I um so as as I said to you before about the having a picture of your actual face, that was always my sort of guideline. But having an avatar that you just as i just mentioned sounds mm-hmm. actually really cool and someone and well, even you said you can recognize the avatar all around the internet. And if you go and change a picture of your face to look a bit different, someone might not recognize you as a person. Yeah. So I do mm-hmm. think it's is you're sort of straddling a line of um Am I sort of more of a character or am I uh, sort of this professional body um, that spans many different disciplines Mm -hmm. and for me uh, I I try to sort of separate my different projects out entirely so I'll have my sort of personal Twitter and Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever and then each one for a different project and -hmm. they will be very specifically branded towards that market and look very specific towards who I think I want to target um, so that's the way I look at it. I would split things up very differently um, just because the the content you're gonna be producing is going to not appeal to everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually have a question for you too about that.
2: Uh, how important do you think that uh, video work that you put out is uh, is relevant for your for your own brand, especially in design, not just uh, tutorials, but um, I'm thinking, basic youtube videos of uh, just showing off a technique that you just learned which i guess is technically a tutorial um or some, some something like uh, youtube streams or twitch streams where you do design work and just show off how you work and you answer questions in chat do you think that's uh going to be a bigger part or do you think that's just sort of a niche thing some people do
1: i've known a few designers who have tried this have mm-hmm. tried to do sort of daily videos or Uh, tutorials every so often and they just haven't been able to stick at it Mm -hmm. which makes me a bit worried trying to start knowing that that I could ultimately fail this project and because it's so open open, you you're you're visually failing in front of your audience but then the biggest part is also just getting that audience Mm -hmm. and I think that for me it's I'm sort of driving more most of my time towards Twitter just because I find it more interesting and maybe one day I will pursue doing more sort of video stuff i don't see why not it's getting so much easier to produce that content yeah uh, as, as we go forward and i do think that i know a lot of shortcuts and tips and tricks and everything that would become helpful to people it just feels a lot of time like you're swimming uh, in such a diluted sea yeah that you would you'd would be struggling to keep afloat
0: yeah, that's the thing with with video content though is you have to be persistent. And I've started like several different Instagrams and the ones that I've been the most consistent on where I literally post every single day and I'm posting on the stories and I'm doing live chats, I'm doing all this stuff, those are the ones that are like the most successful. So it's it, mm-hmm. to me it's like one of those things you have to do um, all the time. And le- let me just uh kind of recap your ca- question just so I make sure yeah. that I'm understanding it. So are you talking about uh, the level of quality, meaning like, should it be super produced? Are you talking about like the 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 amount of videos that you make, or like, should you even make videos in the first place?
2: The last question: Should you even like consider making videos or uh, streaming? Okay, yeah. So so here's my
0: my answer to that. I think that everybody should do what they're most comfortable <laughs> with. If you can do video and you're really great on video, you should do video. If you're awkward on video. And, you know, like you have a better you're, you're a better writer, like you should go to medium if you mm-hmm. love doing, I don't know, like podcasts and audio and, you know, you don't mind the sound of your own voice. Go do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I do think one thing I do think is that content is going to be king because the thing is, is like we're living in the land of algorithms now. And that means that you have to produce like X amount of things to even bubble up to the top. And I've seen it happen in a lot of these, you know, tests that I'm doing and all these different like social media things. And you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent for like a year straight before you see anything. But I mean, like on one of my accounts, I'm getting between a million and a half and three million views in a single week from being, you know, consistent every single day. Like that's that's insane to me. The the amount of attention that's there, that alone tells me that in five to 10 years, if you don't have a personal brand, like in my opinion, you're toast. Like you need some sort of online presence to to make you stick out from everybody else that's gonna be doing this. And it's only gonna get worse. It's gonna get more saturated. I think we're, we're lucky because we're the first generation of people and we were kind of like learning as we went and there wasn't really college degrees. There wasn't all these things. So there was like this natural filter But soon, like, everybody will be able to search literally anything. I mean, if you want to do a tutorial on how to do a floating egg in outer space being shot by a laser, like, you're going to be able to find that tutorial. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, there's literally, like, everything. So I think that personal brand is going to be, like, so, so incredibly important. And people should just do whatever they feel comfortable with, right? Whether it's video or audio or just mm-hmm. visual, right? Like, but you have to be somewhere. You have to be on one of those platforms producing content and showing the world kind of what you're doing.
1: I do think that there, there needs to be a distinction made between whether you're, you're posting things for yourself or you're posting things for other people. And if, sure. as, soon as, you, as soon as you sort of straddle the line of, I'm posting for my following, you probably start to feel responsible for, how, for the quality and for yep. what they're going to think of it and the the time you put into it. But then I think that could also just spiral out of control to mm-hmm. where you sort of immobilize yourself and you don't produce anything because it's never good enough.
2: At yeah. that point, you become just an influencer, basically.
1: Well, yeah, if that's going to still exist or if we're all just sort of <laughs> sharing the same stuff. Yeah, true. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's actually kind of leads to an interesting question of whether, um, do you like produce content for your followers? So now that you're like kind of known for a certain thing, do you like to produce more of that content or are you more along the lines of like you want to kind of stay a little loosey goosey and be able to
2: do like
0: all sorts of different kinds of content to you?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm someone who always needs Things to change, and so it always needs to be in motion and like doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, 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 can't really do that. Like I, I would abandon it eventually. So I don't even start. I just do sort of things as I feel like doing them. Um, for me, uh, streaming on Twitch, I don't just do games. I do FUI streams as well. I decided that you know I, I, uh, figure out a CI, basically, and uh, create screens in that CI specifically for streams, that is both as as personal sort of um, learning thing and, and like keeping my skills sharp, but also so I can produce some content and answer some questions about, you know, FEI design and the industry and whatever people want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's a lot of fun. And I really like doing that. I like sharing info and sharing whatever I can, usually for free, not always. Um, for example, my, the random content table I did, I got sick and tired of, of creating like sort of mini lists of, of Babel that you need to fill like pages and and windows with just to have like texture and detail in there. Um, so I sat down for two days and started generating these, these incredible, like long lists of just stuff, (laughs) um, in different categories and figured you know what that's a great tool to have i'm gonna share that so i put that out for free and like anybody can look that up if they want to it's on the FUI subreddit as well
0: in the that's Wiki. awesome and didn't that inspire one of red giants products or something right
2: it did yeah according to harry who did the the thing he told me that uh, that directly inspired him to create the new textile um plugin and then he contacted me back and said hey we need some presets for this would you be interested in doing that and i said yeah yes i would be <laughs> so <laughs> so i did uh, for screen text and textile which is screen text got updated textile is new mm-hmm. uh for both those plugins uh, i did the most of the uh the presets that they deliver with
0: excellent and in case people don't know red giant is one of the biggest like I guess, plugin makers for, <clears throat> excuse me, for After Effects. So it's yep. a pretty big company. Look
1: them up there. For so you, you're you um, producing all this uh, great content for the community, um, and I'd be curious to know if, if that is related to your setting up the Patreon account to sort of make yourself accountable for continuing doing this going forward, mm-hmm. or is that just a different project?
2: Uh, both. It is. I started it because of my stream at the time. I wasn't partnered, and uh, my viewers wanted, like, asked me if they could support me somehow. And so I said, "Well, you can subscribe, but you know, I could open a Patreon if you want." And they said, "Yeah, let's do that." So I figured, "All right, what can I do to provide any sort of good content feedback for that Patreon?" And in the beginning. I uh, um, I released a lot of like FUI widgets, graphics, um, sometimes full screen, so people can dig through them, and see how I did them. Um, that sort of died down because I didn't really have time to keep that up. Um, but I do plan on uh, like changing it, evolving it, and and uh, doing more stuff with it as I can. For example, I'm uh, I'm getting some some cards tomorrow. I printed some PVC cards uh, for my stream, and uh, people can essentially buy them on patreon i'm, I'm going to update that soon but i also want to bring back more fui tools on there that people can support but however my patreon is, is limited to one dollar plus so people can decide how much they actually want to give if it's just a dollar or if it's 10 or 100 up to them was that a hard decision to make
1: no the fight defining how much people should be paying or even setting the account up um y- well yeah in, in, in Imposter syndrome is always a problem, I think, especially
2: in <laughs> this industry, and <laughs> it's no different with me. Uh, so defining the, the prices I have in the beginning, I had different tiers and I was like, okay, well, I guess five and 10 and 15 and whatever else. And I really, really struggled with that. It took me like a week to set that up. So in the end, I always felt like I couldn't provide enough stuff for the amount of money some people decided to pay. And uh, so I just got rid of all the tears and said $1 plus, you decide, and I'm good.
0: Nice. Yeah, I think that's a pretty smart approach always wanted to do something like that, but I never felt like I gave enough value to anything. Yeah. <laughs> Though I think that's, I mean, this year has been kind of like the year that I've been trying to change that too, where I'm like giving out more things. Because there's so many people giving things out in this industry. Mm-hmm. Like you have Ash Thorpe and you have like even Jace with his uh, like email list. He kind of goes through and like explains his process and stuff. And it's like stuff like this, you literally had to work next to people. To get this information yep. way back in the day right and like now we're lucky enough we have the internet so we can like connect with these people and they're you know already sharing stuff like that too which i don't it's it's like a really amazing thing that's happening in general right now is like people are just sharing their secrets and it's it's so incredible it's so cool like you literally don't have to be in hollywood anymore to know this stuff yeah.
1: do you Obviously. both think that people do you both think that people should be charging for their no, well, freebies is obviously counterproductive to that phrase. But do you think people should be giving stuff away for free, or do you think people should be valuing their own work? I think it's both.
2: Personally, I think uh, there's there's certain things like basics uh, or just really quick tips that you should give out for free, uh, just because it helps the industry, pushes everyone forward, uh, and uh, only mostly good things can come from that in my opinion but stuff like more in-depth tutorials more uh, in-depth knowledge uh, I think it would be valuable to value your own time basically and uh, charge a little bit for it maybe not like hundreds of dollars but uh, you know a reasonable price for people that just get started might be able to afford that and uh, maybe they come work for you one day yeah <clears throat> so the way
1: I look at it is that uh... If you give something away for free, you might be able to reach more people. Mm-hmm. But if you give something away for a cost, you might be able to justify your time. And you need to balance that based off what your ultimate goals are going forward. For sure. And I do, I do struggle with that. Mm. Even when you're writing articles on Medium and it says, do you want to put this under the paywall? There's always a little flicker of, is this the right thing to do? Or mm. am I worth that money?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, So what I have a a selfish question, because I'm kind of curious about this. And it's always been a dream of mine to like someday, like work on like movie UI. So can you talk a little bit about how like what your experience was like to do this? Because I mean, like most kids, I think growing up superheroes were like, like they were almost cooler than firefighters. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were out there. So like to be able to design for something like that, it had to have been such an incredible, cool experience that you're now like adding to this universe of like superheroes. Like, can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Sure, it is. It is It is absolutely exactly what you said. It's It's always like my, oh my God. Um, for me, it always felt like I'm designing, I'm, I'm coming up with a pad from Star Trek, which is eventually going to inspire the iPad. Uh, right you you invent the future uh, sometimes you have to come up with with software that doesn't exist for example i had to there was a, a myon detector in the flash myons are a real thing however nobody knows what they look like at least from my research into them sure. and so i had to come up with what does a myon look like and i just made a spaghetti ball in <laughs> cinema 4d uh-huh. and slept like electron microscope texture on there but uh, it is it is super fun to come up with that stuff. And uh, I think one of the really, really important things to make a good FUI is, which is eventually what was going to get you hired, is do your research. Really look into what is currently out there and uh, how it works, and then try to imagine what that might look like in a few years. Mm. And uh, also, don't underestimate hardware. Like, looking at hardware inputs is a big, big part of it. It is. definitely like what inspires button layouts and and other things make that makes it feel more tactile when you have to come up with something weird like uh, alien stuff Uh, let's say you you got hired to work on a new stargate show and they have an alien ship and it needs a ui Uh, if you can go on set check out the architecture if not have ask someone from production to take pictures for you or have the blueprint Mm. sent to you um And look at the architecture and let the architecture inspire your designs because that's what makes it feel grounded. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think just, just go nuts, go with whatever you feel like, don't, don't feel like you are bound by what is currently out there, but do look at it and take pieces of it that you like and just evolve it from there.
1: Yeah. So there's obviously many facets to what you do. Um, and that must be quite difficult to define to other people. So I'd be curious to know what your elevator pitch is for what you do for a living. <laughs> uh,
2: I always say that I'm a voice actor, a streamer, and an FUI designer. And then I have to explain every single one of those. <laughs> because... <laughs> here's,
0: here's three super esoteric things.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sit down. You're going to you're gonna have to be here <laughs> a while. You might want to drive up and down the elevator. Let's see. Um, <laughs> No, it's uh, FUI design, I always explain, is anything and everything you see on a monitor in a TV show or a movie. If it happens on the monitor and you see what is happening, that's an FUI. The the Iron Man heads-up display, that's an FUI. Hacking into the Pentagon, that's an FUI. Zoom and enhance, that's an (laughs) FUI. And at that point, everybody kind of understands this. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, I get it. There's a
0: really great YouTube okay. video on the Zoom In Enhance. Yeah, I know. Have you seen it? Yeah. I'm yeah. guessing that's what you're
1: referencing. Super yeah. funny. I've got uh, just one more question for me, uh, yeah. directed at both of you, actually. Who are your heroes in the industry? Say, so, hey, see so go first. I can, I'll let you go. For, oh, okay. Uh- <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> Uh Decca Digital, who just exited the industry. He was one of the the longest working giants in it, uh, who's also known as Corey Bromel. He's now working at Microsoft on their HoloLens. Nice uh, funny So yeah. from FUI to real FUI, so to speak. Um then Scott Hicks, who I believe is still in the industry, who was his partner for those 15 plus years. Uh Jace Hansen, definitely. He uh, part of the he's one of the people that did the Iron Man 2 HUDs. Um enderman not enderman uh ender's game so many others uh blake i've never had the pleasure of talking with him but he does incredible work territory studio of course you've got to mention them blind and g creative as well those three big companies Mm -hmm. um just
1: just a few then yeah just a few i basically anyone
2: that works in the industry. Um, (laughs) I feel like you're making
0: an Oscar speech. You're like, don't forget anybody. Don't forget anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: what it feels like. And Chris Kiefer. Chris Kiefer did the Westworld UIs. Oh, dude,
0: that's so good. So good. I love the Westworld UIs. They're like grounded in reality too, which is really interesting. It's hard. In fact, I think there was a little conversation going on about that, about like the ones that look a little bit more realistic are harder to do because you can't just like totally willy nilly just invent something. It has to be grounded in some sort of like real UI, which immediately intrinsically makes it like more boring. So now you have to like spice it up more, right?
2: Yeah. They also take longer to make incidentally, just because you have to get the details right. Sure, sure. Absolutely.
1: Awesome.
0: All right. So I think that we kind of covered pretty much everything that we wanted to cover in this podcast. I think it was a super great podcast. I don't know yeah. if either you have any more questions for, for anybody else. I think I'm good right now.
1: I'm cool. great. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for, for sure. thank you for coming on. You, thank yeah, you your, for insights, having me. your insights uh, are going to go very far. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Hopefully hope your
1: podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Uh really
0: quick plug. Uh, In case you guys don't know, Zeiss does also have his own podcast and you guys should check it out. Um, I think it's on currently on temporary hiatus, but still it's coming back. Great, great. Awesome. You guys should definitely go go look it up. We're going to put it in the links to the or in the notes. Uh, We'll put the link in there so you guys can kind of follow it and check out his podcast. He basically goes and interviews like all the FUI giants. So if you guys like this episode, you guys can jump over to his podcast, subscribe to his podcast, and then you get tons more information. So, yeah. And obviously we'll be linking all of his other stuff too, like his Twitch channel and the infinite amount of other things that he does, <laughs> like his art station and all that stuff too. So yeah. check the links below. Uh, you guys will be able to find all of his information, how to find his social, all that good stuff. Be able to to bug him a little bit, ask him some questions. He's a super nice guy. So I'm sure he would be okay with that.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd be happy to answer any questions.
0: Excellent. Great. Cool, cool. All right, well, we'll catch you guys on the other side. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Take it easy. Thank you so much,
0: guys. Peace. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that one. We just wanted to ask you one quick favor. We work crazy hard to bring the guests on and all the work that goes with it. We only ask you two things. The first one, if you aren't already subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. Whatever platform you're using, we're pretty much on all the platforms. And second is to just share it with somebody you think would enjoy it. That's all. It would mean so much to us. Thanks, everybody. Peace.